We're going to open our service. Uh, we're going to have uh, Sister Ruth come. She's going to present us uh, Mother's Memorial. And uh, so please pay attention to her. Uh, she will put someone in detention if uh, if you don't. So, <laughs> amen. Sister Carol. Well, I was asked to do this, and all week I thought about it, and I really was having a hard time coming up with something, because every year it's kind of the same. We talk about all the ministries that Mother's Memorial does, and we know that. So I kind of found something just by chance, and the theme this year is this is my story. So I want to read a story. It's actually not my story, but I'll tell you whose it is when I'm done. Once, when I was a teenager, my father and I were standing in line to buy tickets for the circus. Finally, there was only one other family between us and the ticket counter. This family made a big impression on me. There were eight children, all probably under the age of 12. The way they were dressed, you could tell they didn't have a lot of money, but their clothes were neat and clean. The children were well-behaved, all of them standing in line, two by two behind their parents, holding hands. They were excitedly jabbering about the clowns, animals, and all the acts they would be seeing that night. By their excitement, you can sense they had never been to the circus before. It would be a highlight of their lives. The father and mother were at the head of the pack, standing proud as could be. The mother was holding her husband's hand, looking up at him as if to say, You're my knight in shining armor. He was smiling and enjoying seeing his family happy. The ticket lady asked the man how many tickets he wanted. He proudly responded, I'd like to buy eight children's tickets and two adult tickets so I can take my family to the circus. The ticket lady stated the price. The man's wife let go of his hand. Her head dropped. The man's lip began to quiver. Then he leaned a little closer and asked, how much did you say? The ticket lady again stated the price. The man didn't have enough money. How was he supposed to turn and tell his eight kids that he didn't have enough money to take them to the circus? Seeing what was going on, my dad reached into his pocket, pulled out a $20 bill, and then dropped it on the ground. We were not wealthy in any sense of the word. My father bent down, picked up the $20 bill, tapped the man on the shoulder and said, Excuse me, sir, this fell out of your pocket. The man understood what was going on. He wasn't begging for a handout, but certainly appreciated the help in a desperate, heartbreaking, and embarrassing situation. He looked straight into my dad's eyes, took my dad's hand in both of his, squeezed tightly onto the $20 bill, and with his lip quivering and a tear streaming down his cheek, he replied, Thank you. Thank you, sir. This really means a lot to me and my family. My father and I went back to our car and drove home. The $20 that my dad gave away is what we were going to buy our own tickets with. Although we didn't get to see the circus that night, we both felt a joy inside of us that was far greater than seeing the circus could ever provide. That day, I learned the value to give. The giver is bigger than the receiver. If you want to be large, larger than life, learn to give. Love has nothing to do with what you are expecting to get, only with what you are expecting to give, which is everything. The importance of giving, blessing others, can never be overemphasized because there's always joy in giving. Learn to make someone happy by acts of giving. And I read this, and I was so impressed because it actually was by Catherine Hepburn. It was her own story. Um, Most of you young people might not know who she is. She was a a famous actress from my parents' age. Um, 
But it made me think, if people in the world can see the value of giving, how much more should we as Christians, as saints of God, see the value of giving? And it's not about what we get in return. It's about what we can do for others. So we know Mother's Memorial does to flow children's mansion, new beginnings, Lighthouse Ranch, all these things. We know it. We've heard it every year. And sometimes we kind of get a little complacent because we've heard it every year. And just to think, I personally know children that have been in Tupelo Children's Mansion because their parents couldn't take care of them anymore. I know people that have adopted children out of new beginnings. I know people that have gone through many of these different things, the foreign missionaries, the home missionaries right here in Wisconsin. So, I just want you to think, though, if the world can do it, you know, there are scriptures that talk about how much more should we be doing. And I just really think that I would like you to, um, once again, not the pledge thing. I just want you to pray and think about sacrificially giving. You know, they gave up a circus ticket so another family could go. I just thought that was a really neat story. And, you know, we could probably all stand to give up a little something for somebody with nothing expected in return. Thank you. Thank you, Sister DeMuth, for that challenge. We can all give something. We can sacrifice something. Maybe you stop and buy a pop on your way to work or when you're out and about. That's only a dollar. But if you save that every week, you know, we have a couple of months to be thinking about and praying about what we can give. Thank you so much, Sister DeMuth. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you're joining us for the first time online, please let us know by typing new in the comments. Worship with us. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. I will sing unto the Lord. And bless His holy name. You are holy. You are righteous. You are magnificent. You are victorious. You are mighty. You are omnipotent. There is none that can compare. You are holy. You are righteous. You are magnificent. You are victorious. You are mighty. You are omnipotent, there is none that can compare, I've come to bless your name. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. I will sing unto the Lord, and bless his holy name. I will sing unto the Lord. For he is worthy to be praised. I will sing unto the Lord and bless his holy name. You are holy. You are righteous. You are magnificent. You are victorious. You are mighty. You are omnipotent. There is none that can compare. You are holy. You are righteous, you are magnificent, you are victorious, you are mighty, you are omnipotent. There is none that can compare, I've come to bless your name. 
No 
one greater than you. Let my life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. Majestic in wonder, you reign with love forever. There's no one higher than you. Your beauty, your splendor, your glory knows no measure. There's no one higher than you. You are always with us, gracious to forgive us. By your power we've been set free. Lord, we stand amazed in your presence. Astounded by your mercy and love. Our hands are lifted high in surrender. Your grace for me is always enough. And there is no one higher than our God. There is no one greater than you. Let my life forever reign. The glory of your name, there is no one higher than you. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. And Lord, we stand amazed in your presence. Sounded by your mercy and love. Our hands are lifted high in surrender. Your grace for me is always enough. And there is no one higher than our God.
is no one greater than you. Let my life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. Let my life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There is no one higher. Hallelujah. We give you all the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
Hallelujah, Jesus. You are an awesome, awesome God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's wait upon the Lord for just a moment. Can we, church? Let's wait upon God. Let's minister to Him with our worship and with our praise this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are altogether wondrous. You are altogether glorious in this and in every place. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do, Lord, and we magnify the name of Jesus Christ in this house. We lift up your most excellent name, the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome privilege. What a high honor it is to enter into your presence this morning. We will make the very most of it today. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, because you have given us permission and invitation to enter in. Hallelujah, Jesus. Our eyes, our hearts, our thoughts are attent unto you this morning to see you high and lifted up, to see your train fill the temple. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are here because of you. We draw breath because of you. We exist because of you. We have salvation because of you. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy of our full attention. You're worthy of our time this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are altogether worthy. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I will bless the name of the Lord my God in this house. I will bless the name of Jesus Christ in the midst of your people. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your manifest presence here. Thank you, Jesus, for the glory of God that has descended upon this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are not worthy of you. We are not worthy of your presence. But, our Lord God, it is your desire to bless your people. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for your so great salvation. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You are a great God. You are a mighty king. You are an awesome savior. Mighty to save. Mighty to deliver. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you fight our battles for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear the cries of your people, the petitions of those whose hearts are perfect toward you. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your great faithfulness to us. Your great faithfulness to the covenant promises that you've established with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. His presence is so powerful. I love him so much. He loves us so much more. What an awesome, awesome God we serve. He is worthy of our time this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am in awe of you. I am in awe of you, Lord Jesus. You are so very high and lifted up. Who is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. But it has been your heart's desire from the very beginning to establish a relationship with us. How awesome is our God. How awesome is this Lord of glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> God is wanting to do something here, church. Let's wait on him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let him minister to you right now. Reach out to God and let him minister to you right now, wherever you're at. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray, O oh God, that you would bless your people today, that you would undergird them with strength, that you would speak to them right now. Speak to them in the, in the, during this worship service. Speak to your people, I pray. Minister to the needs represented here, oh Lord God, like only you can. We need Jesus. We don't need the voice of a man. We don't need we don't need the strength of flesh, but we need the Lord our God this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. We so desperately need you today. As we wait upon you, Lord Jesus, as we minister unto you this morning with our worship and with our praise and with our giving of thanks, I pray that you would visit your people this morning with a mighty visitation, that you would do something supernatural. Something only you can do. We're no one special, O oh God. We deserve nothing special of you. But you are our God. You are our Heavenly Father. 
We are your people. Purchased with your holy, precious blood. We are in need today. We are in need of your administrations today. We are in need of your presence today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bring your needs to God in prayer. If you're aware of other people's needs, bring them to the Lord. Bring their names before, before the throne of grace. Pray one for another, church. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bind us together as one, I pray. We are one body. We are one body. Bind us together as one, I pray. Entering into the presence of Almighty God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to entertain your presence, to minister unto you this morning with our worship and with our praise and with our giving of thanks, as you are so graciously ministering to us. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Keep reaching out to God, church. Keep reaching out to Him.
It's perfectly all right for the Lord our God to interrupt our service this morning. He's wanting to do something else. We're going to let him do exactly that. Keep reaching out to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's doing a work here that only he can do. He's doing the miraculous. He's doing the supernatural, just like he does. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Lord our God is sovereign. He's the shepherd of this church. He knows exactly what it is we need. Amen. I so look forward to when God visits his people. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Praise God. Thank you, church, for being sensitive to the move of God, for responding to that. Thank you. Amen. We're going to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 9. We will continue to wait upon the Lord. Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 says this. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We'll preach for just a few minutes this morning on this topic. The Lord of hosts is here to save. The Lord of hosts is here to save. If we can pray one more time, ask God to bless the remainder of our service, his word, and that he would continue to minister to the needs here this morning. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for you and for the visitation wherewith you have visited your people this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We are so grateful. We are so thankful for the Lord our God. We are so thankful for your presence in this place. I pray, Lord, as our service continues, 
that you would bless and that you would continue to bless and minister through the word of God and through your spirit. Speak to your people. Continue to undergird them with strength. Encourage them to go deeper in you, to move farther ahead in you. Above all else, Lord, I pray that your name would continue to be glorified in our midst today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. You can be seated. Thank you. Starting in the book of Exodus, we find the story of how God worked through Moses to deliver his people from the country of Egypt. When God called Moses, again, through the burning bush, the encounter went like this. We find it in Exodus chapter 4. Starting with verse 1, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. He said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. Moses fled from it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. This account, the account of God extracting his people from the nation of Egypt is a very powerful account of God's salvation. We can find a lot of clues, a lot of hints into how God views things, how God uh, orchestrates things toward his end. We find in this account that God absolutely destroys the gods of Egypt. We, we're, most of us are very familiar with the ten plagues. Uh, these plagues were directed specifically toward the false gods of Egypt, demonstrating not only to his people, but to the Egyptians and to all the surrounding countries that he is more powerful, he is the most powerful of anybody. The first plague turned the river Nile into blood. This judged, for those that are interested, Apis, the god of the Nile, Isis, goddess of the Nile, and Knum, guardian of the Nile. Second plague, that was a plague of frogs. That judged Heket, the frog-headed goddess of birth. Frogs were supposed to be sacred in Egypt. They instead got to heap up piles of their stinking bodies all throughout the land. Third plague was a plague of gnats. This judged Set, god of the desert. Fourth plague, swarm of flies, which only affected the Egyptians. The Israels were protected. Judged Ukatate, the fly god. Fifth plague, death of livestock. Again, God's people are unaffected. This judged Hathor and Apis, both depicted as cattle. Sixth plague was the plague of boils. Again, God's people protected. Judged Sekhmet, Sunu, and Isis, who were supposed to be able to prevent diseases. But not these. Seventh plague, thunder, hail, and lightning. Again, nothing in Goshen where the Israelites dwelt. 
This judged Nut, the sky goddess, Osiris, the crop fertility god, and Set, the storm god. He wasn't done with them, though. The eighth plague, the plague of locusts, finished the job, judging the same gods, and completely destroyed the crops. Ninth plague, three days of darkness. Again, not in Goshen. Judged Ra, the sun god, and Pharaoh, who was supposed to be a symbol or symbolization of the god Ra. Tenth plague, death of the firstborn. Anyone would have been protected if they would have simply obeyed the commandment of God. This judged Isis, the protector of children. This was the ultimate disaster for the Egyptians, as the father's plans and dreams were always bound up into his firstborn. This all leads to Israel walking out a free people. Now the question has to be asked, why did he do it this way? Why did he choose to go through all of the theatrics, all of the, the, all of the miracles, all of the signs? Why, why did he have to do it this way? Why couldn't he have just put it in Pharaoh's heart to obey and just let him go? Why did he do it this way? Well, obviously there's a reason. God just doesn't do things willy-nilly, and he doesn't make mistakes. He does it for a reason, and it's always the right reason. God is exampling something very powerful to us here. This is how salvation needs to be achieved. This is how salvation happens. It's not a, can I please be free? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'm done with you. That's not salvation. At least that wasn't my salvation. My salvation was a hard-fought thing. And it took a long time for me to get there. Different people have different experiences. But again, we got the natural and we got the spiritual. In the natural, we're sitting here all nice and comfy, relatively warm. But in the spirit, there's a battle raging. It's always been raging. It will always be raging until Jesus squashes it. Until then, we're a part of that. But we weren't always a part of that. At one point, we were in the enemy's camp. We were in Egypt. And we didn't just decide one day, I'd rather be over in this camp and just stroll on over. That's not salvation. Salvation is someone fights a spiritual battle and liberates us. I expect that if it were up to the Jews in uh, Auschwitz, they would have probably made the choice to leave. I expect that's the case. They didn't have the choice, though, did they? We didn't have the choice to leave here either. We were bound. There was no way, nothing we could do. Nothing we could affect in any way that would get me from here over to there. Someone had to come and deliver me. 
That someone was Jesus Christ. He sent people into my life. He used people. But it was God that delivered me. Once I was delivered, he gave me the choice to serve him or not. I didn't have a choice before. But when Jesus came with his shed blood, now I got a choice. When God came into the nation of Egypt and shattered through spiritual war the gods of Egypt, now the Israelites were free to go. In fact, they were expelled. They were commanded to leave, go, get out of here. We don't want to see you anymore. But that was only after God had destroyed Egypt, destroyed their gods, destroyed their economy, destroyed their political system. They were a wreck after Israel left. That was a war that took place. And God, by force of hand, delivered his people. That's the process of salvation. Not necessarily in the natural, but that's exactly how it is in the spiritual. It's by force of war that people are delivered. This war, of course, in Egypt, uh, although having very physical manifestations, uh, the effects were very spiritual in nature. God demonstrated the utter powerlessness of the Egyptian gods and the powerlessness of Pharaoh, who was worshipped as a god. They were completely powerless. They had all power and they had all authority over the Israelites, but they had no power against God. God had the power, and he had the authority, and he exercised it miraculously against the Egyptians for his people. In 1 Samuel 5, we read the account of God's judgment against a false god named Dagon, one of the gods of the Philistines. The Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant and put it in the, the house where Dagon sat. Yeah, he got there the next morning and Dagon was on his face worshiping the uh, the true God. They put him back up. The following morning, he was on his face with his head and his arms cut off. God exercised absolute dominion over Dagon. Now again, we don't treat people that way. But we do treat spirits that way. We absolutely exercise ruthless dominion and authority over spirits. That is our heritage as the people of God. That is your God-given heritage. To exercise authority over spirits. Over false gods. Over circumstance and situations. You are not subject to them. They are subject to you through God. In 1 Kings 18, we read the account of Elijah, the prophets of Baal. This is a familiar story to most of us. Through the prophet, God challenges the false god to a duel. 
a contest, if you will. God seems to delight in humiliating these false gods. He seems to delight in it. I know I do. I love these stories. I love these accounts. But of course, it's for the purpose of demonstrating to us and to them that not only is God real, but that he is omnipotent and that only he can save. Only he can save. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25, we see this continuing to be exemplified through the ministry of Jesus Christ. All of these Old Testament examples that God accomplished, we see Jesus acting the exact same way. Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 25 says this, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. I expect that's the case. I fully expect that that's true. They're bringing just as many people as they can to Jesus, and he's healing every one of them. I expect that there's a crowd gathering. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, it continues on. And seeing the multitudes, those that have been gathering, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and he proceeds to give the Sermon on the Mount. And then in Matthew chapter 8, he kind of picks up where he left off, continuing on with miracles, miracles, miracles. The pattern seems to be this. Miracles, signs, and great wonders. God ministers to the immediate needs of people. I always use this analogy. It's comfortable for me, and it gets the point across. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> so, here's the analogy. Someone comes into the ER room with a gunshot wound. He's got a sucking chest wound. Okay. Throughout the course of the trying to stabilize him, one of the nurses discovers this guy has high cholesterol. Well, at some point, yeah, we should probably address that. But right now is not the time to address that. Right now, we got frothing blood coming out of his chest. Yeah, that's what we got to address right now. The immediate need is what we need to address. And when we're ministering to people and we're, we're trying to share the gospel with people, a lot of times they're not hearing what we're saying simply because they're in so much pain. They're in so much, they're, they're so confused and, and, and they're scared of the future. They don't know what, what tomorrow is going to bring because of whatever it is they're facing. They're facing family problems. They're facing financial situations. The house is going to be foreclosed on. I got health issues that I'm dealing with. And we're trying to treat the high cholesterol. They got a sucking chest wound. It's God's desire. It's God's plan to minister to the immediate need first. 
Get them fed and clothed. Get them in their right mind. Get the devils cast out. Get their bodies healed. And then I promise you this. You get those needs met, and you've got a captive audience. Now tell me about this Jesus that took care of all of this for me. Now they're ready to listen, and now they're ready to respond. So we see in the ministry of Jesus, he did all of these miracles. He met the needs of the people. He fed them from the loaves and fishes. He healed them. He cast out devils. After that was accomplished, he looked out, and now it was time to teach. That's when the Sermon on the Mount came into being. It didn't come first. It came after all of the needs were met. So after the, after the needs are met, supernaturally, powerfully, with a mighty hand, then he begins to teach. Now they're ready to receive from God's word. Now they're ready to obey the gospel. And of course, after salvation, we disciple people into spiritual maturity. But they already have this testimony. They already have this experience with God. That God supernaturally met my needs, and then he saved my soul from a devil's hell. Those are things you'll never be able to take away from them. And when they're ministering to other people, they'll know what to do. One guy said, miracles don't follow people. Miracles follow the gospel. I think that's true. We don't need to, we don't need to pray necessarily that God would use me in the miraculous. God would use me supernaturally. That comes through a relationship with God and preaching the gospel. Brother Nichols was preaching a while back and he has said two things very profound to me. The first one was, this has nothing to do with the sermon. The first one was, Jesus Christ is not an American. I know that seems really, well, yeah. But as I thought about that, that really blew me away. We really do think of him like he is an, an, an American. But he's not. He's, he's God. So, Anyway, but the other thing he said was that, uh, you know, everybody asked he was a missionary to Belarus for 26 years. So he, he saw a lot of stuff, a lot of cool things happen. But he went through a lot of not cool things to see the cool things. Anyway, so he was over there for 26 years. He saw a lot. And one of the things he said that people always ask him is, Brother Nichols, you know, you guys, you missionaries overseas, you see all these miracles. You see all these one, you know, God doing the miraculous all the time. Here in the United States, we don't see it. Why is that? He gets that a lot. And so he's determined that uh, the reason is simply lack of relationship. It's simply a lack of relationship with Jesus Christ. If we focus on getting close to God if we focus on allowing him to transform us into his image, all of those other things come by default. They just happen organically, naturally. They spring out of a close walk with God. 
And so <clears throat> I thought that was cool. It transformed my life. Been focusing on that ever since. <clears throat> but also by preaching the gospel, being obedient to Scripture, being obedient to what God has told us to do. He's told all of us to do specific things that only we're supposed to do. But he's given us some general instructions as well. Baptize, teach, disciple. Those are things that every Christian needs to be doing. That's the Great Commission. That is what all of us need to be doing. <clears throat> and when that happens, the miracles follow. More on that in a moment. This has always been a joint operation between God and us. It has been designed that way from the ground up. We're not supposed to be doing this ourselves. God has given us gifts and talents and abilities, and we do need to use those. But we can't rely on those. We can't rest in those. We can't trust solely in those. Because as good at, at something, as good as I can get at something, I'm still a human being. I can only get so good at something. And then after that, my strength is done. God's strength never quits. It never stops. Whatever the need is, God always fills in the lack. So that's who I rely on. That's who I rely on. He is our partner in this. He wants to be our partner in this, working with us, working through us. We're not doing it ourselves, and God's not doing it himself. He's enlisted us to be a part of the process. I don't know why. I'm thankful he did. Probably so he could get all the more glory for it. When a carpenter can build a beautiful home with a, a rusty tack hammer and a Tonka toy saw, I mean, he did it despite the tools he was using. When God does something good through me, through you, he's doing it despite us. <laughs> the more broken the tool, the more glory he gets. Praise God. We need to have God working with us, going before us, following after us, walking alongside of us, confirming the words that we speak with signs following. This is how the gospel is preached. Acts 4, 29 through 31 says this, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Again, the pattern of evangelism as determined by the apostles is taken from their example through Jesus Christ. Everything the apostles modeled, preached, taught, codified into doctrine was taken from the example of Jesus Christ's ministry here on earth. A partnership between them and God. We do the speaking. God does the moving. We preach the word. 
God confirms the word with signs following. Matthew 10 verse 1 says this, And when he, speaking of Jesus, had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits, to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Continuing with verse 7, And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Now this picks up where our scripture text left off. After Jesus had exampled this to his disciples, he commissioned them, equipped them, and told them, go do the same. And he's telling you and I the exact same thing. Go do the same. And do it this way. Healing the sick is part of the gospel. Cleansing the lepers is part of the gospel. Casting out devils is part of the gospel. All of these things go hand in hand. You can't pick and choose. Jesus is telling us here, he's exampling it to us, that all of these things are part of preaching the gospel. Now, as a church, as a, as a body of believers, we are not seeking after miracles. Okay? Let me, let me clear the air on that. That's not our focus. We're not praying and fasting to see some, some signs and some wonders. We're praying for the salvation of the lost. We're praying that we become perfected in Jesus Christ. And as those things happen, all of these other things are going to happen automatically. As we preach the gospel, God will confirm his word. We need to expect that he will confirm his word. If we are partnering with God, if we are partnering with him, and we need to be, then we need to expect that he's going to take care of his end of it. He wants to take care of it. We can't. We can't do that. We can't fill someone with the Holy Ghost. We can't move in someone's heart and turn them around. We cannot, I can't heal anything. I got two teeth right now that I'd have done that a long time ago. Good to go. But I can't. <laughs> Only God can do that. So, we speak the word. God's not going to. He's going to use us to speak. He's going to use us to, to listen and to minister. And to be the hands and feet. But God is going to use us as a vessel, as a conduit of his supernatural power. And he will put the words in our mouth. And he will make them effective with his anointing. And it will cut to the very heart of the matter, whatever the situation is that someone is facing. And God will do the work through you. And we need to expect that. We need to expect when we pray that he'll answer. We need to expect that when we teach a Bible study, God's going to do something supernatural. We need to expect that when we preach the word, it will be confirmed with signs following. So in this we see that God gave them power to minister to any spiritual need that they would encounter. He didn't give them power to, to do miracles. He gave them power to minister supernaturally. 
It's a supernatural ministration, but that's the focus of it. That's the intent of it. To minister to people's needs. In conclusion, God has commissioned us the exact same way as he commissioned his disciples. Mark 16, 15 through 20 says this. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So that after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So in conclusion, the salvation of the lost cannot happen by physical means, but only through us engaging in spiritual war on their behalf. We are spiritually engaging the enemy of their soul. The voices that are whispering to them, that are placing obstacles in their path, temptations in their path. We are, we are doing war against physical sickness which oftentimes is, is a symptom of a spiritual malady. <clears throat> we are ministering to the physical and spiritual needs of the people, of the person that it is we're, we're speaking with. And that is accomplished through war. We don't... What we talked about last week, the warfare praying, that has to happen first. We have to be engaging in this war through prayer, through fasting, in a general sense, for the city, the county, uh, against strongholds, against the strong man. But once, we, once we've taken care of that, there are still spirits in people's lives, things that they've been entertaining, things that they've been watching, listening to, open doors that they've presented to these spirits. Now we're doing specific war against them. The guy we're talking to has no clue what's going on. Not one clue. I didn't. I didn't have a, I didn't have one iota of, of an idea of what was going on. I walked into a service. I'm like, this is really cool. I like what I feel here. Not a clue what it was. <clears throat> And they won't either. That's your job. You have the clue. I have the clue. We know what's going on. We're the people of God. We have the truth. We have the, we are repositories of His truth, the Word of God. We know it. We're practiced in it. We know how to wield it. We know how to engage in spiritual warfare because we are His children. The salvation of the lost cannot happen by any other means except through this. You'll get good answers. You'll get polite answers. But nothing substantive is going to stick in this city unless we engage. As Moses was used by God to judge the gods of Egypt, so God will use us, you and I, 
to judge the principalities of La Crosse City, La Crosse County, even the state of Wisconsin. you got to expect that. As we go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to expect, we have to trust that God is going to work with us. He will confirm his word with signs following. He will make up any lack that you and I have. All we need to do is be obedient to Scripture and go out and to the best of our ability, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the best of our ability, draw as close as we can to Jesus Christ, and God will, he will, he will, he will take care of the rest. Let's all stand. We live in exciting times. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. I don't know how soon. I just know soon. I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we don't have our robes yet. We still have armor and a sword and a shield. That's what we're going to use. Amen.